Well, are you here? I'm sorry, that sounded like a demand. It was merely a request to know. And of course, I do know. Of course you're here. Listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Paul Leslie. Hmm. <laughs> kind of a blue-collar Larry King, huh? Well, as a lot of you know, the Paul Leslie Hour has quite an extensive archive of radio interviews. Some of them are what they call phoners. That is, a telephone interview. Paul is on the one phone. At the other end is a guest. Now, this is an interview today with guitar virtuoso Steve Kimock. Now, Steve's been heavily compared to Jerry Garcia, but he really has his, his own deal, you know? Your host, Paul Edward Leslie, had the chance to see Steve in concert. Blew his mind. In this very short, very casual phone interview, guitar legend Steve Kimock talks about his influences and some of the great artists he's worked with, from Bernie Worrell to Bruce Hornsby. This interview's been digitally remastered from the Wayback Machine for your personal listening enjoyment. So I think it's important to let you know that we do take contributions to keep this show going. Well, actually, we don't take them. We're happy to receive them. And of course, that's, that's where you come in. Things like digital remastering and the hosting. Ooh, cha-ching, costs money. So if you would, please visit www.thepaulesley.com slash support. Once more, because it's important. Thepaulesley.com slash support. Support being the key word. And you being a listener, well, you should be a supporter as well. Thank you in advance for your and now, ladies and gents, time to bring out the Steve Kimock Remastered interview. I feel like we owe it to you now that we've asked you for a contribution. So let's blow your mind with some great from Steve Kimock. Let the show begin. We want to hear that phoner. Our special guest is guitarist Steve Kimock. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem, Paul. Who is Steve Kimock? You know who am I? A guitar player. A guitar player? Yeah. Yeah, that's been kind of the whole thing the entire time without putting a, you know, any other kind of qualifiers on it. I've just been, it's been playing music out there. What did you grow up listening to? Oh, man. Well, it's kind of the same stuff that I'm still into, sort of people part electric blues music. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, I was a kid in the late 60s and early 70s, so there was lots of Cream and Allman Brothers and Jimi Hendrix, Greg Cannon and Johnny Winter, you know, the usual second-generation electric blues stuff, and then, you know, a little bit, you know, later, it kind of get into it with old B.B. King and Albert King and White Knock and Muddy and blah, 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 blah. So the blues thing was always in there. Always kind of a fan of the quirky pop music, whatever that happened to be, the Beatles or Beach Boys, whatever that's still in there. Somehow early on, got into listening to some of the, I, I guess through the, through listening to the Beatles, listening to some uh, Indian classical music. So the early hip hard experimentation that the Beatles were doing are, 
are Rodney Pankhurst was calling the modern pop, stuff like that. Those are kind of, you know, sort of a landmark moments for me. What guitarist has influenced you the most? Oh, good grief. I have no idea. Wow. Yeah, I never, I never thought of it in, in, in terms of being a, a single, a single person or, or at what level of, you know, from depth of influence could be associated with somebody that you would know. Like, the people that influenced me the most, probably people, you know, um, people that influenced my playing the most, people that were close to me. So they may not be the most famous people. I mean, obviously, anybody that grew up listening to rock and roll would be influenced on the guitar by singing Hendrix, right? But at the same time, you know, I spent years, man, playing with, like, my uh, my buddy Bill Goodman, for example, who is a fantastic bottleneck guitar always been a huge influence on me. I'm, I'm sure my playing is as much influenced by, by him because he's been right there, you know, since I was a kid. That is uh, anybody who I would have had formative, but me and my kind of more secondhand listening experiences with. So it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a tricky question. You know, I mean, the, the, the real biggest influences were people that were close to me early on, you know, family, my cousin Danny Ray and you were in a band called Zero. There's an album called Chance in a Million with lyrics by Robert Hunter. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Oh, how many times did we make that record? <laughs> I think that was the story there. I think we, I think like we recorded the entire record once out at Greg's Red. I mean, I think I, I, I worked on that record every day, all day for months and months and months and months and months. Recorded the entire summer, and then I thought it was kind of done. Then we went and did a gig and recorded the gig, and then that became the record. And then a bunch of that material went back in the studio, got overdubbed on again, and that became the record. So it's like three records, but they were all very good records, including the one that you have. But I think the one that you have was mostly uh, live at the Great American Music Hall. Is that right, or is is that the um, what's on the cover of that one? That's the bridge. What's the bridge on it? It's either the light bulb or the bridge. Yeah, it's like a car on a bridge kind of thing. That was, uh, that was the musical. That was, um, record plant, probably. Yeah, it's zero record, you know? You have to be there. <laughs> yeah. Our special guest is guitarist Steve Kimock. Tell us about playing in a salsa band and the kind of influence that had on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, me and Martina were in a salsa band for a long time. No, that's 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 always that's always been there. I, mean, I, I I still you know I, I go to my iTunes and it's a long list of monsoonos and posters still be pressing. I love I love those things. You know any any of the the Afro Cuban stuff. It's a specific it's a specific batch of kind of non swan two four you know kind of thing. Picnic notes and two fours you know straight ahead clave kind of stuff. It's just a great a great resource for anybody who you knows this who's doing instrumental um, music particularly or in the range of music. I, I love that. Tell us about putting your current band together. You have some great players there. Oh, this is this, the uh, the current lineup of which I was missing. I'm really sure it's the strongest band that I've ever played in these guys. Fearless. Just go. So creative. I've been wanting to play with with all these folks for uh, for a long time, and and it just, it just happened that it's getting to the point where it's time to hit the road. Here we go, Bernie, 
Morel, defunct and talking heads, et cetera, on the keyboards. It turns out that he's kind of local to where I, I live now in Pennsylvania. He's just like across the border there in, in New Jersey. And he hooked up with my son. My son's a drummer, a fantastic drummer. And my son was playing in some local funk band that had caught brain attention for whatever reason. He was down there playing with them. So he met my son, John, first. And he said, oh, your dad plays music. That kind of thing. Uh, we've, we've, we've developed a, a good working relationship, you know. You get him over to the bar and we'll sit there all day and work on music. Eat food and clown around and stuff like that. But he's local. That's great. Wally Ingram, you know, I've been seeing for years because of this tech. Uh, Lindley bandmate. I'm a huge David Lindley fan. If you're looking for naming influences, Lindley would be a huge one. So Wally was working with a bunch of friends of mine, and he when turned out he was available. I was like, yeah, a beautiful player and a great attitude, great physical humor, and so forth. Andy Hass, who I ran into first many years, still playing bass on the uh, so, uh, so, yeah, he, he did the government mule thing and, you know, a bunch of the other. He plays with guitar players. <laughs> that was a good thing or a bad thing. But he does the Robin Ford, yeah, uh, the hot top. You know, he was available. And he always wanted to do the gig with Wallace. Everybody kind of wanted to play together and help out, but we did. It's really fun. Really, really just working out tremendously well for me. Strong, creative, willing, good humored band. Our interview is with guitarist Steve Kimock. Tell us about working with Bruce Hornsby. Oh, it's kind of funny because, I mean, I remember the first time I heard the, the um, what would have been his first big radio hit. That's the way it is, remember? Right? Yeah. I was oh, yeah. on a highway and it came on and I heard the piano and I was like, damn, that's an acoustic, I, I, that's an acoustic piano. Somebody's actually playing the piano. You know, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't a DX7 or, or one of those uh, big Yamaha electric grants or something like that. Within the, in that era, that's what it should have been, you know. And I thought, oh, how refreshing, because you could tell the player by the touch. A big Bill Evans fan, you know, so it was like, dear piano players, and I was just like, oh my God, that's no cool. I want to play with this guy someday. And music was so together. It's like, it was just like all this like so perfect to me. I couldn't believe how together it was. And it finally got to see his band and the band was incredible. And it was like so together. That was the part that like freaked me out. It's like so much content in every measure and so, so beautiful execution and very exciting to it done at that level. John Molo playing the drums, rock, perfection. And so then they kind of called to get from the guy, hey, I want you to do, do a couple gigs with me. We're, um, with the orchestra. We're going to play with the orchestra. We're going to play with the orchestra for the President of the United States. And I say, okay, um, I'll, when should we rehearse? And he said, no, no, no. I don't want you to rehearse. He said, so what? And I'm like, are you kidding? And he's like, no, no, just play. And so that's the kind of, that's the horn to relationship. He, he thinks it, well, he's kind of right, too, in a way, but like, he suggested if you just hang me out there in the breeze and I have to come up with something I normally do and it'll actually put me in a tuck and trot me out on the in front of a room full of loyalty and go, ha ah, go do something, you know. All the horrid stuff is like that. You know, the, 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 the noisemaker record, you know, the track from 
the oceans and so forth. All super informal, super off cuff, just kind of roll in with not a whole lot of preparation and just like go. More or less the same way with with the other ones from, uh, when we were doing that, although everybody, I mean, that book is so known, you know, the great the batch material, basically in the song, but this sort of hard it out. What is the best thing about being Steve Kimmock? Oh, I have beautiful children. That's the best thing. That's the best thing about being me, is having my beautiful children. My children love me so much. My little four and eight are the little. So when I'm home, uh, which is where I've been mostly for the last little bit of time and years, where I've kind of gone, okay, back on the road. But I've been hanging with the kids. I mean, that, that's my, that's sort of an unending source of joy for me, having those guys beating me up constantly, being, being funny. They smack the crap out of me. My last question for Steve Kimmock. Very open-ended. For anyone listening in, what would you say to them? Oh, if you can make it to the show... Make it to the show. Support live music. You know, whether 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 it's my band, whether you're coming to see me or you're going to see somebody else, get out there and and support live music and get into the community and get into that fellowship of the gathering that reflects the spirit and experience that. And you might think, oh man, I only got a couple of bucks or something, but man, is it worth it to get in a room full of people that are having a good time and have real music right there, you know? Get your nose out of your screens and get out in the world, get with people and support live music. Beautifully put. Thanks so much for doing this interview. I'm looking forward to seeing you play. I can't wait. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano. The traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.